0: Hello everyone, my name is Sara Srivastava and I'm your host on the Dialecticon podcast where we critically engage in philosophy and correlate philosophy research to contemporary issues. Today we have with us
1: uh, Eva Wirtz uh,
0: who is a PhD student at the University of Ljubljana at the heart of Slovenia, uh, as well as a creative writer and a comedian. She's currently studying psychotherapy and actively studies philosophy. Hi Eva, how are you today?
1: Oh hi! Uh, I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: That's um, fantastic. How are you? I'm I'm doing great. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Okay, with the introductions done, uh, let's move on to our discussion today. where are we're, we're going to take a little bit of a deeper dive um, and look at some of your research and studies and what you personally think about philosophy. So, first, for our audience that may not know you, could you please provide a little information on who you are? Uh, your background and your relationship to philosophy.
1: Oh, well, yeah, sure. Uh, So, um, yes, my name is Eva Verts and I'm from Slovenia. Um, As you already said, I'm a PhD student in philosophy at the moment and also a student of psychotherapy. And I've been doing uh, stand-up comedies for, um, I think, it's been seven years now. Um, I actually come from a family of... um, my family, um, a lot of people in my family, does uh, movies. My brother's director, and um, they have this company, um, visual arts thingy. And so, I think, um, this f- philosophical point of view has been with me from, from the start because I think, um, you know, artists have this philosophical point of view. My father's a photographer, and I think I saw it early on. Earlier, earlier in my life, um, that there are different, po- di- different possible points of view. You know, um, I first saw it that through his photography, and then later on, um, through yes, through philosophy, through comedy, and of course, through psychotherapy. Mm, yes.
0: So just based off of that um, short introduction. Um, So I guess, like, taking the example of uh, photography, in photography, uh, there's many different interpretations of how a certain photo can look like. Um, How has your studying um, in philosophy shown you how different viewpoints can also both be true? Um, For example, you know, in in philosophy, there's always this discussion about the subjective truth. Um, So how does that sort of, uh, you know, Understanding that, how does that help you in your studies or how uh, your everyday activities, how does understanding that there could be different viewpoints uh, shape your work?
1: Yes, Um, I must say, like, one of the biggest things that I'm grateful for um, is... um, is just hearing for all these years of studying philosophy how there is no objective truth, truth. and um, just learning all, the, all those years, just learning um, that, yes, basically said there are so many point of views to reality and how we can perceive reality and how it, just that there is never, it's it's like, like everything is such, um, it's only a, a some constant motion of becoming and going and so um, yeah I think that after all these years of just reading so many different so interesting philosophers and points of view uh, one of the things that you you get yeah is that you can never have one certain answer for yourself. Um, sometimes this can be a bit, you know, frustrating because there are situations where you want to have like a straightforward opinion, and you want to, you know, be a representative of some party or something like that. But you just there's a little voice in your head that doesn't let you do that because you know that yeah you can say that, but there are also some different points of view and. and just you know just knowing that there is no like this uh, objective reality um it, it always comes back to that I think that everything I do in my life um every conversation i have every every thought that I have it always comes back to the uh to this yes um i must i mean um in regards to that, I'm such a big fan of. What the Heidegger did for the, the philosophy where he um, <clears throat> where he just um, took something that we all had for granted and then you know just twisted everything around. I mean, it wasn't just him, but I'm just giving him as an example of how he showed that um, even what you really, really think is the truth and you know it's so self-evident, it's not you know and i think that was like so so bad of him to do that to really show how deep you can go in um in just realizing that everything is nothing is really you know fully stable so yeah um, and i think uh, it, i think that what what this what this gave me is um it, it's it, it gives me it gave me an understanding of how um, so if you can't have uh, an objective truth. What can you? What you can have is just con- constantly questioning and constantly making um, like self-reflecting. And I think that is very important because that that the reality is uh, that everything is constantly changing. And um, I think this self-reflect self-reflection is like one of the biggest things that that I um, like achieved or, or that I got to know through the philosophy and really understand how important it is to do that.
0: Yeah. I mean, one of my friends was saying that, you know, philosophy is not the field you'd go into to want to find answers to questions but rather find new questions themselves because of you know how many different interpretations you can have towards a specific topic um, and you were mentioning like Heidegger and you know there's all also like a bunch of other philosophers who've done the same thing but i think like taking you know like all of their approaches and sort of analyzing each different one and kind of coming to terms with maybe one or two that you might personally be able to relate to the most um, it's just in such an interesting uh, you know facet of philosophy in its first place right and so that's why i kind of like philosophy a lot more than other subjects because unlike math you know where there's always going to be one or a few different answers philosophy doesn't have conclusions and it doesn't pride itself in wanting to have conclusions right like we don't base a philosopher's work based off of how accurate it is um, we base it off of like You know the premises that they took to come to their conclusion and how they've represented that conclusion right yeah fantastic um so i guess i want to move on and you kind of already answered this a little bit but i wanted to know what exactly philosophy means to you i mean you talked about your history with philosophy but what is you know like how does learning philosophy every day or i guess learning philosophy in general shape your everyday life does it provide new perspectives for you and you know does it influence specific decisions maybe like if you could provide like a specific example where um, some research you might have done into philosophy has shaped um, Like some some other decisions you've made or you know, how could you characterize philosophy's impact uh, on you as an individual?
1: Okay, so for for beginning, I can maybe use the like the this uh, basic everyday example that's been going on for the last two years and I think that <clears throat> um, You know the um in Slovenia we had a lot of through, uh, throughout the pandemic there was so many conspiracy theories and um, a lot of people like w- were searching for answers in them and once you're <clears throat> bombarded with so many different explanations of what is going on it can be difficult to to um, to just shape your own opinion because it, it is yeah you you can't know you don't know right and um i think that's one of these examples where i where the philosophy gave me this power to um to understand that it's okay not it's okay to not have the answer right now because it was it's some sometimes it was either having a simple and shallow answer probably conspiracy theory and on the other hand not yet having an answer and it's okay to um just i think it gave me the this um it's it, the the understanding and the power to not always knowing everything because it's hard for people we always want explanation we have we always want to have the structure we want to know like the brain wants to have the explanation right away of what is going on and you can't have it all the time sometimes and yeah, having this understanding that it's okay not to have, um, not to understand everything yet, and just wait for new information and just wait for things to happen, and you know, so you can see more of it. Um, that is, I think that is quite an. That was quite an important thing for me um, in this specific situation, right? Um, yes, for example. <laughs> And I don't know, some others, Um, my master thesis was on narcissism, for example. And that is also, I I was, when I finished, I was actually so grateful that I uh, picked this topic because I understand a lot of what's going on around me so much more, so, you know, better now. And um, yeah, it's combining uh, philosophical works with, specific situations it's a very interesting thing because um i mean when i when i started studying philosophy i didn't really know that this is how you do things i just thought oh you know the the greeks are talking about the 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 soul the, the the time or whatever what does that have to do with anything in my everyday life but then once you once you get to know the philosophy and get to know different uh, on one hand, you get to know uh, a lot of different authors, and on the other hand, you start seeing what what you read in your everyday life in the structure of what's going on. And um, so, through time, I think that um, it becomes more and more applicable on just everything that goes on around you. <laughs> so, I like for example, I gave two examples, but I think um, we could have found a lot of them. More.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, philosophy is definitely an abstract field, which is quite ironic because philosophy likes to characterize other things as abstract. Um, but it makes it so much. It makes so much more sense uh, when you actually start delving into it. And I think the main point when you start to understand philosophy's impact is when you start reflecting on philosophy, like that reflection part and you know, sort of introspection itself uh, is such a crucial part of philosophy because it really allows you as an individual, as your mind, uh, your consciousness to uh, kind of view different theories, view different uh, analyses, and come to a conclusion by yourself. Maybe that conclusion might not be correct. It might not be the only conclusion, but it's your own conclusion. And that's what I think philosophy uh, is powerful. Um, I want to backtrack a little bit onto your master thesis about narcissism. Uh, Could you explain a little bit more about like what research you did and like uh, how exactly you came about the idea of wanting to talk about narcissism um and and what was like what were some of like the difficulties you might have had writing that thesis um because like it's such a um you know maybe like an abstract or it's such a I don't know it seems like a very difficult concept to to grasp and there might be many different interpretations um I think you know vaguely my only memory of like the origins of narcissism is I think it was like a Greek myth, uh, of like someone staring into a lake or something. Um yeah. I'm not exactly That's sure, it. but yeah, yeah. Could you explain a little bit more?
1: Of course, yeah, what I mentioned, uh, the, the my thesis is um because um <clears throat> I actually picked the topic, so I didn't know what I was what I was gonna do my, my, my master's um thesis on. And um so I was just Actually, I had, actually, I, uh, that time I had, um, like, I thought I had a lot of narcissistic people surrounding me, but then again, I was, I found it, like, maybe already, maybe impossible to, to admit that all of these people are narcissists. Like, can you really say that, so he looks like a narcissist, she looks like a narcissist, you know, and... I was doubting that that is uh, what is going on. I mean, I, I found it funny that so many people are narcissists and I was like, okay, but what does that mean? I mean, how is that, how is that possible? What, where is it coming from? Like where are the, all these people coming from? What's going on? And so I decided to let's research that. And because yeah, the, the, this epidemic of narcissism was actually what I found very fascinating. And uh, because it also impacted me in my personal life, of course, because these are very strong people who live <laughs> like a huge um, impact on you. Um, and so, so uh, yeah, what I found very interesting was, so um, I, um, I went through Freud, Rolkan and all these psychoanalytical theories on narcissism. Um, very interesting how, um, <clears throat> how narcissists are, you know, being um, ra- raising raised, being raised, uh, what kind of attitude um, makes a narcissist? and then how they um, it's very interesting how they, um, how they don't have the ability to see the other person as a, as a subject, but they, okay, they can only see them as an object and like as a mirror for like seeing themselves in other people. But then, other thing that was very interesting um, was um, my mentor suggested uh, that uh, my mo- motive should be uh, a selfie. And, I, and when he said it, I said, what, what, "How is it? Is that really a philosophical thing? Isn't that like too mainstream?" And he said uh, that um, it's not about what you write about that is philosophical. It's like how you write it that makes it philosophical. And it was also a very interesting advice um, that I never really thought of it before. And so, yeah, when we come to the selfies, like everyone's making selfies and there's so many of that, but uh, an interesting thing is that um, like social media, if you look in the background, a lot of, um, uh, there's a lot of, um, um, sorry. Um There's a lot of control you know over our informations and so on. And it, it, an interesting thought was that so you have all these people making selfies, um, just showing your face like straightforward p- picture of a face, putting it on social media, and just giving these informations like your face, um, you know face recognition, Informations about your face and the way you look and your facial expression facial 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 expressions and just everything and you put it on social media and you we kind of know the surveillance that is you know behind that uh, how where the informations are going and the it was interesting to think of it as this is kind of the first time that we are kind of deliberately deliberately going under huge surveillance you know nobody's forcing us to do that we all go on social media um on, on our own um the because narcissism is kind of a symptom of a permissive um society and just the, the um, for example you know company being a family uh, this this is kind of this is what um comes out of this is one of the symptoms of permissive society that you go to the work you go to work and you have to you know act like we are all family like we're no we're not family you know we are here to work and it's kind of an emotional um manipulation through the through things like that like the like saying that we're family and so on and so what what interested me was like on one hand the society looking so so free so um so uh like cool to be in it but on the other hand in the background the surveillance is much bigger than it was before when the surveillance was was much more straightforward so um yeah that was like the end of conclusion
0: Mm. i think that's i think it's really interesting how you know you can take like a something that affects an individual and then apply it to the entirety of society, right? Like narcissism is something that affects like one person, it might affect more than one pe- like person, uh, but it, it is characterized to an individual. Um, but you kind of look that at that um, in sort of like a societal lens, um, which I do have another qu- like follow up question. But real quickly, I want to say that uh, your story and kind of like what you were analyzing kind of reminds me of I'm not sure if you're familiar with the show Black Mirror, um, on Netflix, but it's about like uh, a very hyper digitalized society where everyone is almost treated as like a family kind of, but they are forced into a plot like a place of like hyper digitalization, um, and you know many philosophers have talked about the work of Black uh, Black Mirror because it is a dystopia that um, the authors I think believe could potentially come you know in in our own reality, um, and so there's a lot of discussion. Uh, I've read a lot on um, how black mirror is is more than just a dystopia but rather a current analysis of the world, right? And so I think that like that process of digital- digitalization, especially through means of social media is is definitely there and uh, it's like a growing kind of I want to say a necessity for students. Um, and, and you know like people my age, you know I'm, I'm 17. And so people around me like kind of assume, That, you know, if you don't have it, you are almost a social outcast, right? If you don't have social media, it's like people question why that's the case. It's not like, oh, I take my own like. I kind of want my own autonomy in in deciding what apps I utilize, but no, you're kind of characterized as, Oh, you wouldn't be popular on social media. Maybe that's why you don't have it. Oh, or you're not popular right now. So you can't really connect with individuals. That's why you don't have social media. And so there's this kind of characterization that social media is, is, is necessary for individuals, which maybe could be, you know, a broad claim about how, um, narcissistic society has become almost, where it, it kind of assumes that you need to have an app in order to be a well-functioning uh, you know, functioning individual in society. Um, I kind of want to backtrack a little bit more um, and talk about um, sort of, I'm not sure if this is an actual field, I was just thinking um, maybe like political narcissism, like can states be narcissistic? Uh, for example, like uh, the United States uh, often heralded as, you know, when it, well, It claims itself to be one of the greatest nations on 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 earth, Um, but what's very interesting about our nation is almost every single classroom you go into you will always see a flag. Uh, In parades you will always see a flag, Uh, is it possible for countries to be narcissistic Um, and are acts of military aggression signs of narcissism so like maybe the example of Russia and Ukraine right now can that be an example of like states being narcissistic is that possible.
1: That's a very interesting question. I mean, um, I think that um, the, the whole the, the society itself is like we have. So um, when you said it affects one person and individual, the narcissism, um, yeah, but it just shows that because there are so many narcissistic individuals, individuals um, that this is kind of a symptom of this this pathological symptom of the whole society. Um, I mean, I think the society is producing the narcissistic people, um, but then again, it, the society is always producing some kind of pathology based on the the the, the whole construct of society. Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it, it, it is interesting question to to ask uh, if the country can be narcissistic. I mean, we can. I think we can um, <clears throat> like. Um, give the same example, given the individual, like if an individual has to show his, you know, his beliefs and um, like all the time, um, what does that say about his beliefs? Are they really like, um, in? Uh, um, does he really honestly believe in them? Um, did he really de- develop the authentic you know, beliefs Um, and so on you know I think that is uh, that would be an interesting thing to think about um, when talking about this um, this need to really show who you are and what you believe in right
0: yeah definitely Um, I guess we can sort of move on from your your master thesis um, and go into like your work in comedy I know you say that you come from Uh, a family that's kind of in uh, in these art or in like these art forms. Um, So like, how has exploring philosophy through comedy uh, worked for you? Or um, how do you use it as a vector to increase philosophy education? Um, And like, what do you like most about your work in comedy? I, I haven't really seen anyone talk about, you know, the intersection between philosophy and comedy or just comedy in general. Like how is that important in your life, and maybe there might not be a connection to philosophy, but that's totally okay. I just want to know a little bit more about it.
1: Okay, so um, I think that um, like for me, the the best comedy is just philosophy with punchlines, right? So, for example, if you look at the greatest comedians, um, they all have the if you um, if you delete the punchlines and the or what you get you usually get some philosophical um like philosophical points right um and i think so yeah um studying um bringing philosophy into comedies is actually what what i think is comedy that comedy is all about (laughs) because um what comedy really is is actually just like why do we laugh why do we like make fun of uh, things is because we want to show them that is not the only way to look at them. And so you, so I think comedy is actually the denial of the way that things are, right? Um, Because what we laugh at is usually because we want to point out that why are you taking it so seriously? And now that I'm gonna make you laugh about it, I want to change your point of view because comedy, what it does, it just take takes a thing that is so self-evident and shows it from a different point of view to show you that, um, that uh, to help you make like these things stand out of um, this self-evident, uh, right, um, stance. And yeah, show it from different perspective to, you know, to... To get you to look at it differently and maybe you know i don't know stop believing in it or, or stop taking it so uh, seriously so i and i think it's the same what philosophy does right i mean that's exactly what, what heidegger did <laughs> um i mean and others <laughs> um well he he did he just um uh, pointed at something that was really self-evident and he said we can still look at it from different point of view and that is really badass and that is what comedy um, I think should do, and what is what comedy is all about, right? Just to show from a different point of view, and that is why I think it's so ironic uh, when comedians like do comedy, and they wanna they um they they write their material with the thought that they wanna be liked. You know, they wanna write something that the audience will like. You're not there to be like, you know, you're there to show them. And if they don't like it, well, what you're gonna do? I mean, that's your job, right? Um, so that is like very ironical to me to to be a comedian that wants to be liked, <laughs> that wants to because you're not there to 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 tell people what they already know. You're there to show them what they haven't thought of yet, right? Um, so yeah, it's kind of just comedy is the opposite of just accepting the way that things are and so is philosophy and that is where I see the the connection and the very important connection.
0: That's really interesting I've actually never even like interpreted comedy and philosophy to be like even like closely related but now that I'm like looking at you know shows that I've watched in the past like, I can definitely see uh, how philosophy is very, very much correlated with comedy. And I think that your idea of like, different perspectives is just really true. Like, I'm not sure if you're familiar, because this is an American co- comedian, but um, a very popular comedian here is Dave Chappelle. And Dave Chappelle is very, very known for controversial takes, um, like he's actually been canceled numerous times by different communities. But he highlights, um, you know, I think important facts inside of his uh his comedy through comedy like he highlights um like racism through comedy and correlates that to um different type of oppression um and 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 he comes to a conclusion in those in those uh i guess those shows and he kind of just says that like at least the one i'm talking about which is his most recent he comes to the conclusion that you know it's not an oppression olympics right everyone can you know there can be different groups who are oppressed and so there's no reason to fight among groups but recognizing that you know, that oppression does happen is an important feature of, you know, coming to uh, racial justice or just justice in general. Right. And so I I guess I'm curious, um, maybe from your personal experiences, like when you are writing jokes or something like that, obviously, you know, you know, you shouldn't be writing for the purpose of being liked, that's kind of just your job. Um, But how do you like, take, how do you take that? Do you, see a you know like a political injustice and you're like okay i want to talk about this and i want to come to a conclusion about this or are you talking about simple things and then just trying to uh flip the way that people might view those simple things like how do you come to a topic and what is your general like message that you try to get across in in your shows
1: um i think in writing comedy is very important to be really True to yourself, like be like to get your writing to be as authentic as possible, like just to really put your thought into it. That's why I have a problem with watching a lot of stand up comedy because you adapt to their kind of um argument arguments and their kind of thinking so fast that you can really uh you can you can lose your authentic comedy voice so fast because you know there's someone else talking instead of you um yeah um but um so it's um with that it's um that you have to write about the things that bother you you know the things that you see as as a problem um sometimes you would like to have a set of like a beat on specific topic, but if you, if there's nothing in you, then just, you know, then you don't do it. Just don't do it. Um, I mean, uh, it happened to me just a while ago that I think that um, it's a very interesting, the, the the phase of writing jokes, it's a very interesting from the uh, like psychothera- uh, psychotherapeutic or like psychoanalytical point of view, because it actually is, um, you, you see what is inside you, only after you uh, you finished writing, so um, I I've learned a lot about what I have problem with after I read my um, my set of jokes like retrospectively. Um, so yeah, I think that I would just like to emphasize how important it is that it's like what you think and what you find wrong, what you want to um, change or
0: show people.
1: Yeah, it is. That.
0: I mean, yeah, that definitely makes sense. I think um, kind of staying true to yourself is, is a really good, uh, you know, message not just for anyone who's listening, but uh, for comedy purposes, but also just in general in your life, right? Um, you know, if you're kind of trying to like follow someone else's footsteps, um, that's all you are you're your follower, not the creator of those footsteps, right? And so i think that's a really good important message um to anyone really who's listening because um you should always try to create your own your own footprint right um so you were kind of mentioning uh your work in psychotherapy and i guess i'm i'm really curious because you know I, i know a lot of my fellow high school friends are really interested in um you know the concept of therapy and this might be a very sad thing because a lot of high schoolers are now feeling the pressure of education, the pressure of a lot of different things, you know, just uh, different vectors coming to play, you know, with COVID, uh, with, you know, college applications coming soon. A lot of people are like more and more saddened. And so like the concept of therapy uh, is more discussed at our level nowadays, where maybe past like 20 years ago, high schoolers generally wouldn't discuss therapy unless there was a very traumatic experience that that they went through and so i guess i'm really curious on uh your work in in in, in psychotherapy like your research you know you're studying um and like maybe you could take me through like how the psychoanalytical approach with with Freud Freudian analysis uh, has helped you because i know um you know one of the biggest critiques of Freud is about how uh honestly like weird his theory can be in in certain senses like i think um I don't remember the exact term but you know there's that one part of your mind uh i think it's part of the id uh where like you know you have like sexual desires for you know parental figures and so that has been critiqued a lot and so i just want to i'm just wondering like how psychoanalytical approaches can you know be relevant uh in in therapy and therapy now because i know freud did do you know therapy um but i'm just not sure how that how that took place
1: Okay, so uh, first, I would like to point out that yes, we 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 are witnessing um, a huge rise in um, anxiety and depression. That is true, and that is um that is becoming a huge problem. Um, and also the as you, as you, as you said, the pressure of college and school, and and then the compa- uh, the competitiveness in um just finding the job and being the best at your job. That's where we at. That's what like. And that is becoming a huge problem, yeah. Um, and I think, yet yeah, that is why more and more people are going to psychotherapy. Um, I mean, I would like to point out that I um, I, I didn't, I was, I was never in touch with the Freudian um, psychotherapy in practice uh, for, right now I'm still studying. I'm still a student. And um, um, so, I, yeah, I mean, I know what you mean, like Freud's theory being weird, or really sounding. Um, I would like to, s- I think at this point, I would like to say that um, I think like taking a step back, we have to acknowledge how big of a difference Freud made. He showed us, you know, he told us there is un- something there called unconscious, un- unconscious consciousness. And um, you no, know, there is a big part of you that you you have no control over, and that was a big milestone in the understanding of um, how the man works. Um, but yeah, he like, yeah. I mean, there are some of his theories that you might um, uh, you might overthrow, uh, a lot of people do that. A lot of people did that, um, but. Um, yeah, that's why, that's why uh, this psychotherapy, psychotherapeutical science is constantly developing. There are constantly coming some new branches of psychotherapy, new ways of looking at it. Uh, psychoanalytical psychotherapy is, yes, the original one um, or something like that, we can say, the Freudian one. But then you have all these different ones, like existential, existential one, um, and, you know, the Gestalt, the... The family therapy and so on, um, which is um, it's getting quite rich in terms of that. that that's that's. I think that's great. Um, so yeah, sorry. What was the question here again? I'm sorry.
0: Uh, I was just kind of. Uh, I was just kind of curious about um, like what you've researched. So I mean, you've mentioned like all of these different you know theories. Um, could you explain like maybe what your, like, what the impact is on that? Like what exactly um, is the conclusion of learning all of these things? Like I know at the end it's like for a purpose of therapy, but what do, like, what does learning these theory, like help you identify in patients or, um, you know, like you were mentioning the parts of the unconscious um, that Freud was, you know, instrumental in explaining, but like how, is it possible to, you know, acknowledging that, how is it possible to change those things in patients or, um, you know, like your research or your studying right now, um, like how has that helped you come to a conclusion about it?
1: Um, I mean, it's a difficult way, question. I...
0: I'm not, sorry, I'm not trying to like <laughs> ask about like the very, very scientific, but I'm just trying to say maybe like from a top level approach, um, like how are these like theories like really helpful in, in analyzing patients, et cetera
1: yeah um i mean for now I, I i can't yet say that it helped because i'm still researching so yeah my phd uh, uh thesis um i'm i'm doing it on actually uh philosophy of psychotherapy slash psychiatrists um like existential psychiatrists and, and things like that um and um I mean, just researching all these theories is interesting because, well, for me, the question is, which standpoint do I, which standing point do I want to, you know, um, start from? Um, Like, what is the nature of a man? Like, first question. I think that if you wanna heal or change someone's whatever, like, uh, whatever. (laughs) by saying whatever, I mean, whatever you call it, you can call it, you know, um, it's, you wanna change his uh, his, um, personality, his um, mid-sein, mid-sein for Heidegger's uh, wording. And um, yeah, I think, you know, because the the question of the nature of man is so open and the nature of psychology uh, and the question of uh, psychology, like what drives man to do what he does? Um, there's so many things to yet, yeah, um, find out that um. For, so for me right now is um, I'm trying to, I'm just trying to uh, find my find my answer to where do I want to start doing you know the practice, um, um the. How do I see, what what for me is the, uh, which explanation does it for me, you know, um, regarding the nature of the man. Um, So right now I'm researching the, the, this existential point of view, which I find very interesting um, because like, for example, one of the questions is, are you gonna look at the symptom the symptom comes out you know um or are you just gonna look at the person as a whole right not just the symptom and these are very important questions to ask yourself before doing the the psychotherapeutic you know practice um and here we are again back to the philosophy (laughs) um because i think here that is a perfect example how important philosophy is uh, with such um, important questions, as is how to help someone who is, you know, uh, having breakdown, who is psychotic, who is depressed. Because to if you want to start searching for answers, as you said before, we first have to know which questions to, um, questions to ask in the first place, right? So that is, and that is what philosophy taught us. It's not about just looking, um, as you said, it's not about, uh, it's not always about the answers. Sometimes it's about, it's about the questions too. And that is very important to me as a future psychotherapist that I'm not just, I'm trying not to just search for the answers, but yeah, sometimes see if we have the right questions asked.
0: Okay, so I guess uh, what it sounds like is maybe you're just developing your views. I mean, I understand you're a student, so obviously you're still going to be developing your views. And after even like once you become a psychotherapist, I mean, you know, your conclusion will only come, you know, once you're at your end of your practice or something like that or because, you know, you need a lot of test cases to figure it out. Um, You know, there's so many scenarios in which philosophers had a view in the beginning of their lifetime and then completely changed their view by the end of their lifetime. Um, and that's just the process of asking you questions and then answering those questions by yourself. Um, I guess like when you were explaining, um, I'm not exactly familiar with existential psychotherapy or like uh, psychoanalysis. Um, could you explain a little bit more about like what that field is? Uh, Cause I have no idea what it was.
1: Um, I mean, um, yeah, sure. I mean, it's, um, it's, it's like it's it's kind of uh, uh, similar to how you have you know all these different branches of philosophy you know you have ethics aesthetics uh, political philosophy and so on it's kind of the same as psychotherapy you have all these different approaches that and each of these uh, has a different starting point that's um um i mean f- for example um w- um i'm <laughs> I don't want to say anything right wrong right now, uh. But um, yeah. So I'm just gonna stop here and say that every branch has a different starting point to um what they focus on. You know, so, uh, one branch is gonna like uh, so. I don't know. Psychoanalysis. Psychoanalysis is gonna um go with you to your childhood, see what happened there, and so on. Um, existential. Psychotherapy is going to focus on uh, like finding a meaning um, right now, not focusing on the past, because you know, past is already part of your presence. So focusing on presence is also focusing on the past. Um, and yeah, they have different, like different, there are different approaches. But um, what I think is very important uh, for everyone that is. Um, thinking about going to psychotherapy and being maybe confused with all those different um, approaches is that the study, the study showed that um, the approach itself has a very, very, very little um, importance. Like the thing that is most important is a psychotherapist as a person. Um, If you, if you don't have a connection with a psychotherapist, it's, it's very normal and it's, you have to, you know, change him, um, because that is what it's the healing part. What that is what is the important part: the empathy, the connection, him as a person. That is, um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, different um, different approaches. I mean, different branches are gonna have a bit different approach, but um, but then again, a therapist is never gonna like do something that doesn't suit your situation. Um, and they, you can always change it. But um, yeah, the, the the most important thing is a therapist as a person. Th- that's what I want to point out.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's definitely important. No matter what um, branch you end up choosing of psychotherapy, it's always important to recognize that your fundamental goal is to help the individual. And so, you know, maybe if even if you choose a specific branch, I'm sure that the approaches of the other, the other ones that you've studied, you know, they can still impact how you might, you know, actually help your patient, um, which is definitely like kind of just wraps up everything and, and shows how like philosophy is all about coming together of different ideas. And, and, it, and that's really impactful in everyday practices as well. Right. Like where you take a bunch of different views. And and maybe they can all influence how you do your right, like you do your task, or um, how you help a patient, or how you write a program, or something like that. They can all impact, uh, which just generally shows um, the impact of philosophy in general. Um, just to quickly wrap off, like wrap up, I had just a last question for you. Um, if there is anyone you know, listening, uh, who might need um, or like might be in a depressive state right now, what is like one piece of like general advice that you could probably give them? um, Like, you know, to to help them? I mean, this may be like through your studies, or just in general, like a, you know, like, I know stoicism has a lot of work on like, how to get back onto your feet, if you're in like a state like that. Um, Is there anything you've learned uh, that can be very impactful? And just a message for our audience in general?
1: okay so um i don't I don't really wanna give any advice on how to act because every problem is very specific, and especially I don't want if you feel like you're dealing with depression, I'm not gonna say how to get back on your feet because if you can't, well, you can't, and that's okay i mean it's not <laughs> it's not okay, but it's okay to just um not feel bad about that, you know, additionally. Because I think the biggest, the biggest burden with depression is that, for example, your body doesn't let you, doesn't allow you to, not, I don't know, get up in the morning. And then the additional feeling of guilt comes because you're not productive. And just for, for I think the first step that I would wish people would do is, you know, get, try to lose the the, the guilt part. And I think that I think it's the best thing is if you can you know to, to recognize uh, to recognize the problem and to um, admit it and you know just admit to someone that you can I mean I know it can be hard to find someone to talk to about this because I know how it hurts when you're trying to um, I trust someone and tell him your problems and he kind of downsizes them you know like no we all have those days and it, it can hurt but uh, maybe um, I mean if you can you know try to t- talk to um, like tell a friend or something like that but then if you can of course I would suggest going to psychotherapy um, not everything, I mean, there is no universal rule. So, I, um, you know, I don't want to really give any advice because, um, but yeah, I think what I can say to everyone is, um, yeah, as I did, as I said, just, um, I don't know, through, I hope that uh, people can, through self reflection and through, um, yeah, through self-reflection, see that there are problems there, right? Because maybe they are not hidden. Like, for example, depression, not necessarily hidden in uh, feeling tired or some or, or in a way you see it. I don't know. On television, it can be in your anger. It can be anywhere. So, and what can help you recognize it is, I think, this is just the self-reflection. I think that is very important. Um, I think, um, yeah, I think that yes. is the, the advice that I would give now, but, uh, I hope you, if you're dealing with it, um, can find some help. Um, some people don't want help from others. Some people don't find therapy, um, productive and they, of course, they can find ways, um, to overcome it themselves. There are also some ways, but, I'm, I, you know, I just don't want to say um, just be, you know, I don't want to give any advice because I don't think it would be nice for me yeah. to, to give a specific advice how to handle it because there is no.
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. Maybe that question wasn't framed the best, um, but just like in general, I was thinking like maybe a message that can be sent out is that, you know, um, self-reflection is good through philosophical means. Um, and you know any sort of self-reflection that you have can only be beneficial i think Um, and you know obviously i mean making statements like only is what philosophy doesn't want you to do Um, so maybe only isn't the best word here but you know uh, in general i think self-reflection is really beneficial Um, and also maybe uh, you know Uh, accompaniment can also be really helpful you know talking to someone else um, not just in terms of you know uh, the state that someone might be in but also just in general having friends and just discussions uh can be so many like so much more valuable uh than just your own interrogations which is why some of like the best works in philosophy are also group works um and so just because you know we're able to Understand a lot more and combine different view viewpoints to create a more centralized argument in a way. Um, with that being said, I really want to want to thank you for your time. Um, you know, we covered a lot, just basics of like philosophy, your story about philosophy, as well as, you know, your, your master thesis uh, about narcissism. We covered some cool topics about state, philosoph- state, state narcissism, if that's even a thing, um, about um, comedy. And then, you know, we wrapped it up uh, with psychotherapy. So I definitely do want to thank you for your time.
1: Um, yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, and um, <clears throat> I think it's really great to try to put philosophy, you know, out there. And um, if I can give one word of advice to everyone who is uh, like reading philosophy and trying to find answer in, in philosophy, just remember that it, it's it's always okay not to understand philosophy. You will understand it, and you will get there. And just I think the most important thing is in philosophy, is just. So never give up because there are there are some important answers, their answers, there um important point point of views. And um, but sometimes they can be difficult to you know to grasp understand. So just just don't give up. and Have fun. <laughs>
0: yeah, for sure. Uh, with that being said, um, that wraps wraps up our episode, uh, for the Dialecticon podcast. Uh, thank you for everyone watching, and we'll see you next week.